Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Tailored Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and if you're new here, don't worry, so am I. This show is a cool opportunity to chat with friends about anything and everything they're interested in. Before I tell you about my guest today, I want you to know that our background music is generously provided by an acoustic, fingerstyle guitarist named Lance Allen. I love his music, and he has kindly agreed to let me use his piece called East Nashville here. You can follow him on Instagram at Guitar Lancer, and he has a link there to his work. It makes perfect background music for studying, working, driving, or whatever your heart fancies. Be sure to look him up. And if you like the show or have thoughts on the episodes, let us know on Instagram at Tailored Creative. Today's conversation is with my friend Abby. We met in college as roommates, and I think everyone who meets Abby wants to be her friend. Beyond being one of the sweetest, kindest, gracious people, she's creative by nature and is always up for an adventure. She really taught me how to think outside the box and find fun in unique ways. I've known her and her husband, Hunter, for years, and they're incredible people. Abby is a professional photographer and coffee connoisseur, and you'll hear us chat here a bit about both. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Abby. Abby, I... I've been friends with you for a long time, um, but we have not caught up in a while. You recently moved to Utah. Mm-hmm. How has that been? It's been really great. It's very beautiful. Um, yeah. Very different from any other place that we've lived before. So it's fun to experience something very new. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. We actually just got a whole bunch of snow <laughs> yesterday. I saw that on your Insta story. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're at, we're like way down, um, in Southern Utah. And so it's, you know, a little bit more kind of deserty, but we're also at like the foothills of some mountains. And so we do obviously still get some snow. Sure. Do you get, well, I guess you'll have to have some time there before you know but do you think you're gonna more snow there than you ever did in minnesota oh no god no (laughs) um (laughs) i don't think i don't think anything will ever be able to top that wow yeah i mean we always laughed because you would wear you know shorts and snow and i was i'm Mm -hmm. from the north ish Mm -hmm. i'm from pennsylvania but yeah you still had a different mind about snow than we did (laughs) yeah Um, so how has, so you're a photographer and you Mm -hmm. do that basically as your full-time job, right? Yeah. Um, I got another job here. Um, just, you know, I really like it, but hopefully I won't have to be here for super long with this job. Um, cause I would like to, you know, have all my focus being on photography, but it just takes a while building up clientele in a new area. Um, oh, yeah. And so, you know, once things get more steady and more busy um, on the photography side of things, then I'll probably quit my other job that I have right now or go to like very, very part time, you know, however they'll have me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working at a place right now and I really like it, but I wouldn't consider that like my main focus <laughs> of work. Yeah, sure. Are you editing photos right now? I am. Sorry. (laughs) Yes, but we are going to roll with it because no, please. Um, I just think it's great that I have to get done. Like by all means, like yesterday. So um, this is what (laughs) this 
normal conversations are, especially between photographers. You have to get things done. Um, We're going to roll with it. So how long have you been interested in photography? I actually don't know that. Um, well, I mean, I've always liked photography. Um, two of my uncles are photographers. Um, my one uncle does a lot of like wildlife and landscape photography. Um, my other uncle, he does do a lot of landscape as well, but his, well, one of his jobs is actually like taking photos for real estate companies. And so he'll, you know, like go and photograph homes and everything like that and he is very much like a hobbyist photographer as well like always snapping away pictures of his kids and everything so um yeah actually now that I think about it like three of my uncles on my mom's (laughs) side are all like very passionate about photography whether that's their job or kind of like a hobby but um that's just always kind of been around for as long as I can remember um but I didn't actually start taking photos um probably in until like high school um and even Mm -hmm. in high school it wasn't anything serious you know it was usually for like a class or something or you know your friends would want to do like a little photo shoot or something um so I guess that's when I like kind of started doing that more outside of like just for fun um but Mm -hmm. once I got to college um that my interest just really sparked there because I was an art major and I originally went in for art education but just crazy turn of events and uh advisors constantly putting me in the wrong classes um kind of out that to get my teaching licensure, it was going to take me like an extra two years of schooling. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> never mind, that's okay. Um, and so then I just went ahead and I already had all the classes I needed to, but I just did photography as my minor. Um, mm-hmm. and by that point, I had probably, you know, taken some pictures of like friends. Um, I'm trying to think what year it was. I could probably look it up real quick but I shot my like first paid engagement session in like uh, I want to say like maybe 2016 um I can't remember for sure but it was for a girl that I worked with um at my parents coffee shop I took their engagement pictures as like the first paid shoot I ever had um and then that was exciting I'm sure yeah, it was very exciting. It was really fun, too, because I know them very well. And so it was much less intimidating going into that. And, you know, she had kind of approached me of like, hey, we'd love to take some engagement pictures. And I was like, oh, my gosh, of course, like, we'd love to do that. And she was very insistent on paying. I'm like, are you sure? I'm still very new to this. And she just had so much confidence in me. And that was really sweet um but yeah so then what like a year later or so um I shot their wedding and that was the first wedding I did too and so um yeah I want to say like 2016 2017 would have been like my first like professional kind of shoots that I would have done 
Um, yeah, I. it's a different thing to go from just doing it for fun to doing it for a business. And I think mm-hmm. I've even asked you before, you know, how do you price things? Because mm-hmm. I've only just recently started having people, I do a lot of like nature shots and mm-hmm. so forth. And so, but I've gotten pretty good and it's, I have people saying, okay, well, how much would you charge me for this? And I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, and it's not even like I'm taking their pictures. It's them offering to pay me for something I did for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm still trying to navigate that. Yeah, it's at least for me, it's always well, it was always such an awkward thing to like talk about money mm-hmm. and like getting paid for stuff like that, especially just starting out. I'm like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> like this is a big deal. Like, this is your engagement photos, or especially for like a wedding. I'm like, oh man, I just don't know that I'm like up to that caliber. But again, it really helped that like my first paying client I knew very well and um and I mean she could have very easily have gone with somebody else and I would not have been offended at all because again I was still very new but she felt very confident and she was like no I trust you to do it and so yeah I think just having someone to believe in you to be able to do that um was just super helpful like moving forward and kind of giving you the confidence to set pricing and like, you know, kind of know your worth as an artist, as a creator. Um, but yeah, it is, it is an interesting thing to figure out pricing and then, you know, throughout the years adjust that and all of that. So pricing is funny. (laughs) That's like one of my least favorite things to like try to figure out, but you got to do it. Same so. here. Yeah. I, and some from some business friends I have, I've learned to kind of, you know, if you, you just have to pick a number and set your price. And if it's too low, you'll get more business and you'll have to raise your prices. And mm-hmm. if it's too high, you won't get the business and you'll have to lower right. it. So yeah. it's kind of a trial and error as you go. And I, I have some more and more friends of mine have become entrepreneurs. So it's helpful to have that kind of baseline mm-hmm. to go off of. Yeah, one of my very best friends, um, she took Hunter and I's engagement photos, and she's a photographer as well. And so, especially starting out, um, and even now, still, like, would ask her questions about that all the time. Like, what do you do for your pricing? Like, what do you think is fair? What should I be doing? You know, and, um, you know, just asking her advice, and she's always been so sweet to give that. Um, But yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah. I, so I don't know if you know, I now work for a senior living company and I'm their designer slash photographer slash marketer slash all of the above. Um, (laughs) so we, so I do, I go on location and shoot. We just went up in a biplane and took a resident, um, you know, flying and I was able to go with him in that and, uh, Mm -hmm. taking them zip lining and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I do take pictures of people there, but that's really the only, I don't get paid necessarily for that other than being paid a salary. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also take pictures of our communities and our, our different buildings. And so it's just this Mm -hmm. interesting kind of real estate versus um, portrait photography that I'm not Mm -hmm. being paid for, for the projects. Right. So it's just a weird thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what has been your favorite place to photograph? You grew up in the Midwest and then you lived in the South for a while. 
I don't know if you've ever really lived in the Northeast, but you've kind of been all over the country. What um, What is your favorite place? Oh, gosh, that's so hard. Um, well, oh, God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I always really love shooting at the beach. Um, that's probably huh. because I'm just very partial to the beach, like, Sure. I think growing up in the Midwest and being so landlocked, I was just like always yeah. very obsessed with like any opportunity to go to the ocean. Um, so I always love shoots at the beach. I just think they're fun and they're usually just like a little bit more relaxed too. Like everybody just wants to have a good time when they go to the beach. And so those ones are always fun. Um, I had a shoot here in Utah, my first shoot. Um, and it was absolutely gorgeous. We went up into the mountains, um, and it was beautiful. So I really liked that. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think I like just about any place. Um, I mean, one of the places I would shoot at most frequently when we were living in North Carolina was actually like a abandoned community. Like there weren't any houses, but they had like the foundations for the house is still there. So it was like these cement slabs and like, like wow. just a big neighborhood. But so all the streets are still there and like street signs and everything, but there's no houses and all of like the grass and vegetation had overgrown and it was just so pretty. And so that's, that was like one of my favorite places to shoot at. Um, and it was literally just like a dump. Like it was just some, piece of land that like I guess the army had like kind of forgotten about or I don't really know like wow. what was going on with it but um it was just so pretty because yeah all of the vines on the trees and all of these beautiful like flowering bushes and trees and stuff and it was all overgrown and so I don't know I think um I don't know for location I think if I had to like pick a place it would maybe be, maybe be the beach. Um, but I also, I don't know. I love everything, but I think, you know. You're such an adventurer. <laughs> and that's. Yeah. Well, I think too, like you can, you can truly make any place really pretty. Um, like yeah. An abandoned neighborhood. You can make it pretty. Um, and I kind of like doing stuff like that because it's almost like a little mini challenge for me to like well, how can I make this place look more than what it is? Or, you know, oh, yeah. I like the parts about it that, you know, I have my clients roll up and they're like, um, are you sure this is how I'm going to take pictures? And I'm like, I know it looks a little sus, but I promise it's beautiful. So, Man, yeah. I'll never forget in college, we we and our RA Candace, we took, we, you took us up mm -hmm. to um, a rooftop in Lynchburg. Uh, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was, and, and then after that we so did good. that, they locked it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a little, a little crazy, but that you are such an adventurer and I love, you can find fun in anything. I mean, yeah, I visited you good. in North Carolina mm -hmm. and you said you and Hunter and someone else had like made, gone to the dollar store found whatever you could to make little boats and then race them down the river. Um, yeah, that yeah. we've been meaning to do that actually since we've moved here because there's like little streams yeah. like up in the mountains and we're like, oh my gosh, this would be perfect for like our little boat race. 
I think you need to write a book on your adventures because it gives people ideas to go out and have fun. (laughs) Well, when you're chief college students, you've got to be creative Mm -hmm. um, to like come up with fun activities or things to do other than like going to dinner and movies all the time for dates. So that's fair. That's, but you are so good at that. You really have taught me how to think outside the box a bit because I am such an inside the box person, even though I'm creative. Um, so that's been fun to know you and to get better at doing that. Well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, so one, I definitely wanted to ask you, how has photography influenced your view of God? Um, well, I think one of the things that has been just so cool is just getting to know people because I mean, anybody can go and like take pictures. Like I think when you go for like your school pictures, like you don't really get to talk with your photographer, you know, like they're there to like photograph every kid at school. Um, Oh yes. I was that photographer for a while. Yep. Right. And so, and so, you know, like you get like 0.5 seconds with each kid and you have to like send them on your way. Um, But you know, the kind of photography that I do with like, weddings or just photographing couples or you know families sometimes it's just really neat to be able to get to know them um and I mean it might kind of sound cheesy but like it's just so fun to like get to know these people that like God has created so uniquely and like just get to hear their stories and it's really special too when you have the opportunity to work with a specific family or couple like several times and get to like see them grow and their lives kind of evolve and it for me it's always just such an encouraging thing to like get out of that headspace of like me 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 because like you can Mm -hmm. very much get wrapped up in like concerning about yourself and what's going on in your life but when you devote a whole you know, like an hour or however long their shoot is, your focus is on other people like the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love to get to talk with my clients during their session about like, well, how did he propose? Like, how did you guys start dating? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are your, what are your plans? Like, where are you going from here? Um, and, you know, especially with weddings, I get to do that, but with the whole family, you know, I'll get, to talk with their moms or their grandmas or their their best friends um, and stuff like that. And so it's just a really neat way to connect with people in kind of a different way that not a lot of other jobs give you quite that big of an opportunity um, to like so intentionally be engorsed in another person's story. Um, And yeah, it just, it really gives you a good atmosphere to kind of think of somebody else and then to think of like, you know what, like this person is made by God and they're going through this awesome life and you get to think about them, you know, years later as you look at old pictures and, you know, send a little prayer whenever you think of them. And so it's just a really, I think it's been really cool to see God like, in other people's lives working, even if, you know, if they're not believers, if like 
we have not talked about God like or anything like yeah. that. It's just cool to get to meet people and be able to, you know, hopefully be a light in their life and be able to, you know, give them these memories and something to hold on to, I think is just really special. Yeah. I, everybody has a story and it's Mm -hmm. so cool to just chat with anybody. I was in furniture sales for a few years before Mm -hmm. this job and the people I'd get to meet, I mean, you, the stories, you'd start asking questions and my bosses never liked it that much because I would just sit and talk to them for hours Mm -hmm. um, if I could. But you know, you get to meet so many interesting people when you have a people-facing job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've learned that. So what do you, um, well, we're going to take a hard turn here. Um, for in the coffee realm, you yes. have been in the coffee world for a long time. Yes, um, very so, Yeah. And so I have some questions. I just... I'm going to say that again. I have some questions. I um, just started to use a French press and I need some tips. Okay. (laughs) Well, what are, what are you struggling with, with it? So I, first of all, it answers my question. So we have really only ever used a drip coffee machine at home and I, and we did not have a uh, machine that can brew just a single cup. Mm -hmm. And so I was traveling for three months in this year. And one of the Airbnbs I stayed in had a single cup maker and that was great. And I thought, okay, well then when I get a new coffee machine, I'll get one of those. Mm -hmm. But I stayed at a place just this past weekend that had a French press. Mm -hmm. And so I had never used one. And so I looked it up and it was super easy. And that kind of answers my question on how to make a brewed cup of coffee easily Mm -hmm. and for cheap. Um, but I, out of, you know, seven or eight cups, I made three good ones. (laughs) Um, so I don't know, you know, how, how much, how long, if there's a certain measurement you use, how many times you agitate it. Cause I know I went to a recent, um, recently I went to a coffee cupping and I learned, learned some things, but I don't know like how much agitation, how much coffee to use and what the temperature of the water should be. Yeah. Um, well that's all, See, the thing about coffee that is so funny and so difficult sometimes is you can be a little bit more simple about it or um, you can really fall down the rabbit hole and go like complete coffee snob. Um, so <laughs> I know some. <laughs> yeah. And so it just kind of depends on like, I don't know, like how much time do you want to spend making your coffee? Like how much... You know, I think that's a good place to start of like, if okay. you really want to devote a lot of time and money to coffee, then go for it. There are so many resources out there. There's a lot of great books, um, a lot of great people who like specifically create content, you know, like on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, whatever that are all like coffee pages and how to make coffee at home. Um there's just, there's a lot of resources out there, but if you are like, I want more than like Folgers, I want more than Keurig, but I'm not quite to the level where I want to go like full coffee snub, um, then I would say it just, it really is just kind of a trial and error thing because 
Okay. I mean, unless you're going to get super specific about it, um, I feel like it's all very much up to like what you like. Um, and so, so just for practice. French, yeah. So for French yeah. presses, they're, they're pretty simple. Um, you know, you put the coffee in the ground coffee, you put water in, you let it brew for X amount of time and you put down the little plunger and then you're good to go. Um, but some of the things that will kind of change, um, the taste of the coffee. Um, but again, you're not really going to notice it too, too much unless you have two cups of coffee next to each other to actually Mm -hmm. taste the difference between the two. Um, but I mean, some things that can make a difference, albeit kind of small difference, but they can make a difference. Um, is the size of the grind. Um, so typically for a French mm-hmm. press, you're going to want a much coarser grind. Um, so a lot of those grounds aren't going through the little filter in mm-hmm. the French press. Um, and that's going to help you to not get grounds in your coffee. Um, so that can change it a little bit. Um, temperature of the water I would say that kind of more falls into like the coffee snob kind of side things, like a little mm-hmm. bit more extreme. Again, you're probably not going to taste much of a difference in that um, unless you had like a side by side comparison. And truly, I don't think anyway that temperature of water has to do with that much of a difference with brewed coffee. It, that kind of delves more into like espresso. Um, okay. I will tell you though, if it's not hot enough, because I learned that, then it will not brew right. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, you yeah. do have to have a baseline. Like it has yeah. to be at least, you know, however, however hot it needs to be. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're worrying about like 180 degrees versus like 195 degrees like that's probably yeah, that's gonna make a difference um yeah. but obviously like 130 degrees versus like 190 degrees that that is going to make a uh-huh. difference um yeah. and so yeah i usually so it's kind of funny to be honest um i don't make very much coffee at home i never really have um because my huh. parents own the coffee shop like we didn't even have like a regular coffee pot at our house. I don't think we had wow. a coffee grinder. Like we just didn't have anything um, because we would just go down to the shop and like make stuff yeah. there. Um, and it was funny because like we would have family or friends come over and they're like, oh, I bet you guys have like such an awesome coffee set up at your house. And we're like, well, we have a really, really great coffee set up like a couple of blocks from our house. Um and so, yeah, Interesting. I've, I've truly just never made that much coffee at my house because I've either just gone to my parents' place or I've pretty much everywhere that I've worked, I have, or everywhere that I've lived, I'm sorry, I've worked at a coffee shop. And so then I'll just get stuff from there um, or yeah. I'll make something there. Um, but one of the things that we do use quite a bit at home, um, we have two different things that we use that are really, really easy. Um, we have a little cold brew thing. Um, it's super simple. I think we got 
the actual, I don't even know that I can call it a machine, but we got like the machine um, at, I think, a world market, but it's literally just like a huge mason jar. And what you do is it comes with like a little bag that's almost kind of like, it's like a cheesecloth kind of bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you put the grounds in the bag, you put that bag in the mason jar, and then you fill it up with water. Um, and then you let it steep, let it brew for like at least 24 hours. Um, and then you take the bag out, you squeeze it to get all of the coffee out. And then that's just a simple cold brew. Um, and then, you know, I always add like a creamer to it and ice. And so, um, that's just a super simple cold brew, which is great in the summer. Um, but our other little thing that we have is an arrow press. Um, and it's kind of similar to a French press. Um, it's a bit smaller and it's more of like a one cup serving kind of thing. Um, but they're great for like, if you need to take something on the go, um, they're very portable. Um, you know, it's not anything that like plugs in or like needs any electricity. Um, but it kind of works similarly to a French press. Um, the main difference is so for a French press, you know, you put your grounds in your water and you let it brew for, you know, however long. Um, with an arrow press, you don't let it actually brew for that long. You let it brew for, I don't know, maybe like a minute, two minutes, like tops. Um, and then the plunger on it, that's where you're actually getting more of the brewing action. So instead of like brewing through time, kind of just letting it sit and brew that way, you are actually forcing the flavor out because you use this little plunger and it's more pressure than just letting it sit in the water and brew. Um, and so it, that I think is great for people who like don't have as much time in the morning, like, or if you're a procrastinator in the morning and you're like, oh my God, I need my coffee, but I don't want to wait, you know, however long I need to for a French press and arrow press is super simple. Um, yeah, that might answer my question of getting coffee in the morning for my 40 minute drive to work. (laughs) Yeah. So that's an it's also kind of funny, like Hunter drinks way more coffee now than I do. And so, um, he uses the AeroPress like all the time. So yeah, I I think those are two good options for people who, you know, first of all, don't want to spend like a ton of time making coffee. Um, and then if you don't want to get like a very expensive machine, um, you know, if you don't want like a full on espresso machine, or even if you like don't want a Keurig or like a coffee pot or something, um, you know, a French press and arrow press are both very portable and very affordable as well. That's true. I got my French press for eight dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I mean, I'm sure I could have gone down a, a more expensive route, but I was just looking for something quick and easy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I well, I have plenty more I could ask you about, but I want to respect your time. Please tell Hunter I said hi because I was very sad I missed you guys when I was in North Carolina in oh, yeah, okay. January. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I he actually I don't know if he's 
I don't know. He might be coming home soon, but he has class tonight anyway. So oh, okay. Kind of running around, and I'll be sitting here working on pictures. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great night. Thank you.